0: Hi, everybody, I'm Sam. And I'm Maya. And you're listening to. Murder Senses. Woo. Intro music. <laughs> <Wah-wah-wah>. <laughs> Okay, so today we're going to be doing my case, but first Sam has a little bit to talk about. Yeah, I just wanted to mention, so I'm sure you've all heard of the Gabby Petito case and what happened to her um, in August of 2021, um, um, where Brian Laundrie uh, and uh, Gabby Petito were going on a road trip across the United States and their van, uh, she was documenting it to YouTube um, and he murdered her and uh, his parents helped cover it up, I believe, I haven't done like too much into it yet I'm going to do a whole case on it. So stay tuned for that. Yeah, and Brian ended up killing himself, but a letter has been released from that Brian's mom, Roberta, has written to him before the murders. So keep in mind this is before the murders. And I just wanted to read it and um, get that out there because I think that this letter is fucked up. It's weird. Yeah. It and it to me it explains a lot. And she had sent a message to Brian Enton saying that this letter was written prior and that It has nothing to do with Gabby and she just wanted to convey to Brian how much she loved him and that she was releasing the entire letter because the bits that were released was making it seem like, I don't know, it was premeditated. Um, The whole letter makes it seem like it's premeditated. Yeah. So I'm going to read it. Uh, This is Brian's mother to her son. Writing a letter. Yeah. Sending a letter to her son. Okay. So this is his mother writing a letter. Mm -hmm. Okay. So it says, I just want you to remember I will always love you and I know you will always love me. You are my boy. Nothing can make me stop loving you. Nothing will or could ever divide us. No matter what we do or where we go or what we say, we will always love each other. If you're in jail, I will bake a cake with a file in it. If you need to dispose of a body, I will show up with a shovel and garbage bags. If you fly to the moon, I will be watching the skies for your re-entry. If you say you hate my guts, I'll get new guts. That one just made ba- okay, that 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 line made me cringe. <laughs> a bit. Uh, re- remember that love is a verb, not a noun. It's not a thing. It's not words. It's actions. Watch people's actions to know if they love you, not their words and then in quotes uh, therefore I am certain that neither death nor life nor angels nor the rolling spirits nor things, uh, nor things present nor things to come wait nor things present nor things to come sorry nor powers from above nor powers from below nothing in the entire created world can separate our love neither hostile powers or nor messengers of heaven nor monarchs of earth Nothing has the power to separate us. Uh, Romans eight through eight extended version. um And then on the back of this letter, it said to Brian Christopher Laundry: Burn after reading. That sounds like an admission. To- burn after reading. Well, she said, if you need to hide a body, I will show up with a shovel. Yeah, a bag. that sounds like. If an you're admission. in jail, I'll bake a cake with a file. And also, I love you so much. Nothing can separate us. Emotional instigator. It's it really seems a little a little rapey. Like yeah, it just a little bit, a little, I, little, it, little bit. It really sent me off. Um, and I wanted to read that and mention that, and I want to get your guys' opinions. So at at us on Instagram or Twitter or wherever. Um, and let us know what you think of that letter. Um, if you think this was premeditated, because I think it was. I think um, his mom knew, and it was it was a plan. Yeah. All I know is that sounds like something. Yeah. That so sounds- <laughs> yeah, that's all I have to say for today. Um, y- you'll i'm sure you guys will enjoy this case though it's interesting it's i mean I actually don't know anything probably about it <laughs> gonna be a shorter one it's definitely gonna be a shorter one for sure because it's not too long it might be one of our shorter cases that's fine though but we love that it's, it's, it's kind of interesting so today we're going to be talking about john george haig also known as the acid bath killer or acid bath murderer okay I've never, ever, ever heard of this. Maya has told me zilch, zero, nada, nothing about this. No, it took me not too long to research it, and I just had it. I'm going blind. We're blind. Usually I tell her, like, tiniest bit of details. I haven't said a thing. No. so Except for, obviously, the fact that he's named the Acid, acid, bath, acid killer. bath Killer. Acid Bath Killer. Acid Bath Killer. So, you know. You kind of get a hint. I'm going in just as blind as you guys, unless you already know what this is about. Then. Yeah. <laughs> so... I'll just get started then. So John Haig was born in Stamford, Lincolnshire, and was raised in the village of Outwood, west of Yorkshire, and he was born on July 24th, 2009. Obviously he was English. This is an English case, but yeah, this is a British two thousand nine. Sorry. He was, <laughs> he was born in 1909. I thought you meant to say that at first and I I see that. He was born in 1909 to parents John Robert Haig, so he was he was John Junior. Okay, uh, so John Hague and second. Emily Haig, Yeah, his father was an ultra religious Plymouth Brethren who was brethren. a colliery fi- foreman. Brethren, brethren, brethren. I actually don't know what that means. I just know how to say it because I've heard it, it so like many brethren. times. Looks like brethren. Oh, brethren, brother. Yeah. Okay, yeah. 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 Which it means a fellow Christian member of a male religious order and Plymouth brethren is a uh, brethren, whatever is, is a, a ch- church, okay, okay, that makes sense. I understand now, so he's like I'm just really heard into it, a like church. in like shows and stuff like hey, brother, I actually don't know what it means. <laughs> like no. <laughs> And so, John would end up leaving school at the age of 17, and there wasn't very much information about his early life, as far as I could find, so w- we can't really get into that. Like, I looked everywhere to see, like, what his childhood was like, yeah. other anything like that. And like, in the early 1900s, too, people didn't go to school, usually. No. I think, I think people stopped school at, like, 14. Then. Yeah, they did. So, he so 17's he, he's, pretty he late. School pretty, yeah. Uh, there is a little bit about his childhood, but it's mainly about his father and stuff like that, so. I mean, Um, 1909. (laughs) So when he would leave school, he would leave his home where he lived with his family, and John would claim that in his childhood, he would suffer from religious nightmares, as his father was extremely religious, Religious and I think his father was also very abusive. Okay. Religious nightmares. See, I don't know. Maybe about, like, the devil and stuff like that. I can't. I, I really... I guess, yeah, that actually makes a lot of sense, like, going yeah. to hell or... His father probably, like, embedded that in him. Mm-hmm. So, John would develop a great love for the piano and would learn to play it at home. <laughs> he was very fond of classical music and would often attend concerts being held in his area that played classical music. So, he really So, loved... he was a talented little man. He was. He, yeah, he won a scholarship oh to God. Queen Elizabeth Grammar School and would attend there as well as uh, Wakefield, which is another school. And then from Wakefield, he attended Wakefield Cathedral, where he became a choir boy. So it seems like if he didn't become a murderer, he could have become, like, a super famous and musician. This is by the... This, he's 17 here, so this is, like, c- kind of before he left. So he could have become, like, the next, like... Beethoven or something. I don't know if he was that smart, but he could have became. He would have been he up there. Was a, he's, he's a baby, seventeen. He could have practiced and tried, but but instead he just murdered. Yeah, yeah. And so yeah, like I said, he left school. So at the age of seventeen, so after he finished school, uh, he apprenticed to be a firm of motor engines. Uh, after a year there, he would leave that job and take a job in insurance and advertising. Motor eng from choir to motor engines. And then to insurance and advertising, this man's is like all over the place. I feel like his life. This this is like his life is going downhill. If he loved music, then he should have done music. Yeah, he. I don't. I really don't know what happened there. But so by the age of twenty one, he was dismissed from that position for being suspected from stealing from a cash box, like the insurance and advertising job. Uh, not waiting to work for someone else, he had started businesses by himself by forging car documents. He didn't want to work for anyone else, or, like, work. Okay. And so, on July 6th, 1934, he would get married to a woman by the name of Beatrice Betty Hamer, but unfortunately, his marriage to Betty would soon end and would, quote, disintegrate. Disintegrate? Around the time of his relationship ending, Johnson would be in prison for fraud and would receive 15, uh, 15... 15, I said 15 would receive 15 months at Leeds Aziz's in November of 1934 which so, Leeds Assizes was a jail alright so he got 15 months in prison for for, for, fraud. for fraud fraud okay. and stuff like that yeah Betty would give birth while he was in prison that same year and she ended up placing the child who was a girl up for a job, adoption and left don't John. blame I do not blame her no cause like it's like bad to be a single mom at that time Mm-hmm. So it you get really hated yeah. if you have a kid and the father's not around. So I, I don't blame her for putting him up for adoption, and then I really don't blame her for dipping. Yeah, no, me neither. And so when he once he got out of prison, he would start a dry cleaning business with a partner. I uh, never said who this partner was; just just someone. Uh, this business was a success, but the car- partner would be killed in a car crash, oh. and the business ended up collapsing. Damn! So, so this partner was probably like. The business. He was probably just there. Mhm. And so in John moved to London in nineteen thirty six and became a chauffeur to William McSwan. I can't believe he went from musician to mechanic. To advertising and stuff like that, to uh, forging checks, to owning a laundromat business. And now to, to being a chauffeur. To being a taxi and, driver. And so and after there's more. After he was a chauffeur to William McSwan, so, who was a wealthy owner of amusement arcades, he would also maintain the McSwan amusement machines.
1: So he okay. was a maintenance
0: man, too. Okay, cool, cool, cool. This man's is just doing everything. Not too long after that, he pretended to be a solicitor named William Cato Adamson with offices in Chancery Lane, London, Guildford, Surrey, and Hastings, Sussex. A solicitor is a legal practitioner who deals with most legal matters in some jurisdictions. So I don't... That's just, that's just the description of it, so I'm assuming maybe it's just, like, someone in law. (laughs) Yeah. But, unfortunately, he would receive another charge that would cost him four years of penalty servitude, which I believe just means he had to serve four years. Okay. Okay. He was released in August of 1940, which would have been four years, so he did serve the four years, okay. but he found himself back in prison oh, within a year of being released and now serving a 21-month sentence for stealing. He okay. was caught initially because someone realized he had made a mistake uh, in the spelling of a check that said Guilford Gil- instead of Guildford. <laughs> Uh, John would regret that he left victims of fraud alive and then would become intrigued by French murderer, Georges Alexandre Sarré, who disposed of bodies using sulfuric acid. Okay. So John would start to experiment with field mice and would figure out it only took 30 minutes for the body to dissolve. So he was just mad that he kept getting caught? Yes, basically. And he was like, I should just kill all these people mm-hmm. that are catching me. And so three years later... John was freed from prison, uh, from his subsequent arrest for fraud, and became an accountant okay, with an engineering in insurance firm. Okay, back stuff. Yeah, with an engineering firm. Oh, no, back to mechanicing stuff. But an accountant. Soon after, by chance, he bumped into his former employer, William McSwan, in a pub called The Goat in Kensington High Street. McSwan would introduce John to his parents. Donald and Amy McSwan worked for them by collecting rent on their London properties, and John would become envious of his lifestyle. Okay. And so, on September 6, 1944, Mixwan disappeared. <laughs> Ooh. Haig I would, wonder what happened. Hmm. Let's see. Haig would later admit that he had lured Mixwan, which William, yeah. into a basement on Gloucester Road, hit him over the head oh. with a lead pipe, Aww. and then put his body in a 40 imperial gallon uh, drum, which would be 180 liters uh, or 48 U.S. gallons. Uh, with concentrated sulfuric acid. Oh my god. Two days later, he checked the drum, finding that Mixwan's body had been mostly dissolved. John then emptied the drum into a manhole and left the body there to decay. Huh. Because it's, it's so hard to get rid of bones. You know, no matter how much I you I mean, try. it's been two days. You could have just left it in for a bit longer. He could have. And, like, no one was after him at this time. So like, like, like I've, I'm i into taxidermy and stuff. And to macerate a corpse. I'm sorry. It's fine. You, you need to let it soak. Yes. He he didn't <laughs> wait long enough. No. So, he told the Mixwans he, he he told Mixwans' parents that their son had been gone. Okay. He told Mixwans' parents that their son had gone into hiding in Scotland. I wanted to say too, maybe try talking a little bit slower so we can draw Ooh. it out a little bit. Okay. He told Mixwan's parents that their son had gone into hiding in Scotland to avoid being called up for military service. He was able to convince his parents by sending fake letters, supposedly, from their son. John would then begin co- uh, living in Mixwan's house and collecting rent for the Mixwan parents. Okay, so he, so he, he like, like, took over. I killed your son, and now I'm going to be the son. Yes. <laughs> They became curious as to why their son had not returned, as the war was coming to an end. No, I am your son now. Yeah. It's me. Yep. And so, on July 2nd, 1945, John lured the parents, Donald and Amy, to Gloucester Road by telling them that their son was back from Scotland for a surprise visit. He would then kill them by shooting them in the back of the head and disposing of their bodies. I was really about to ask if they had guns back then. (laughs) Yes. Yes. John acted as William McSwan. Then, sw- um, John acted as Millie. <laughs> John acted as William McSwan and then stole McSwan's pension check and sold Donald and Amy's property for uh, four thousand pounds. So, okay, so he was the son. He was now the- he's the dad. Yes, uh, and moved into the Onslow Court Hotel in Kensington. All right, all right. So he sold all of the property for four thousand pounds, which I don't know if that was. My- I didn't check. He had so much going for him as a musician. He did. He should have just stayed in the choir. And so he he, uh, he started having issues. He was a gambler. Oh. Yes. So since John was a huge gambler, uh, by 1947, he was running short on money. So to solve his financial troubles, he found another couple to kill and rob, Archibald, Henderson, and his wife Rose. He met Archibald during a property deal. After showing interest in the house that they were selling, he was invited to the Henderson's flat by Rose to play the piano for their housewarming party. While at the flat, John stole Archibald's revolver and planned on using it in his next crime. So John rented a small workshop at 2 Leopold Road, Crawley, West Sussex, and then he moved the acid and the drums from uh, Gloucester Road to there. And then on February twelfth, nineteen forty-eight, he drove Archibald to his workshop on the pretext of showing him an invention, because John claimed that he was an inventor. Later on. Okay, great. Yeah. So uh, I just, I just, I just did a conversion. That four thousand pounds today would be um, three hundred and fifty-two thousand and eight hundred and seventy-one dollars in the United States. Yeah. Oh my God. Today. So I guess he got quite a bit for that. Yeah. Or like for our British listeners, um, English listeners, two thou- two hundred and eighty six thousand four hundred and eighty five pounds and forty five cents. Yeah. So when they arrived, John shot Archibald in the head with his very own stolen revolver. John then lured Rose to the workshop, claiming that Archibald has fallen ill, and then he shot Rose as well. Okay. Great. Great. So after- great. Don't do that. No. After disposing of the Henderson couple's body and oil drums filled with acid, he forged a letter in their signature and sold all of their possessions for 8,000 pounds. All right. Okay. One sec. Let's see. Let's see. So this one is 8,000 pounds. Oh, that's a big number. Almost $600,000 in the US. No, 600,000 pounds. Oh, almost 600- So almost 600,000 pounds- uh, and in the U.S., that would be $705,000. Yeah, so. He sold it for a lot. Man's is a, Man's is rich right now. He is. And he had a gambling addiction, so I'm pretty sure he, like, wasted most of it. So Man's poor. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so he sold all of that for 8,000 pounds, except their car and their dog, which he ended up keeping. Oh, you get the puppy. Yeah. He should have sold it to somebody who would have taken good care of it and made it happy and not. Mm-hmm. Murdered its owners! I know. God. He paid their hotel bill and removed all of their valuables. He paid their hotel bill? Yes. That's funny. And so, by February 1949, John had been living in the Onslow Court Hotel in South Kensington for four years. One of the other residents was Miss Olive Durand Deacon, a 69-year-old a wealthy widower of solicitor John Durand Deacon, which I think is I think was a famous um uh, what would that be called? Uh, he was a popular solicitor. He he was he was high up, yeah. So he was really well known. But he had passed away, so that he that he met this widow, okay, named Olive uh, Durand Deacon. All right, and if you can hear um Benny snoring in the background, I hope you are enjoying it. <laughs> So uh, the two often exchanged conversation at mealtimes, and John had told her that he was an engineer and an inventor. And you can probably tell where this is going. At lunch on February 14th, Miss Duran Deacon showed John some false fingernails that she had designed and asked John if he could improve the idea into a product that he would be. Oh my God,, wait, oh my God, oh my God. I did tell you about this. Well, no, I don't remember you telling me about this, but like she's she's creating the falsies. Yeah, she's she's making shake She's creating the (laughs) press-ons. He would tell her that he would think about it. Oh my god, wait. Oh my god, wait. This girl created the press-ons. No, probably not. She probably died. She did. Oh. (laughs) So she had the first idea for the press-ons. Yes. And then someone else stole her idea. Yes. And so on the 18th, and they had lunch on the 14th, so on the 18th, the two of them had driven up to John's workshop in Crawley... Uh, in his Elvis, 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 Elvis car. Yes, I believe so. <laughs> all right, I don't know. I'm gonna look at. I want to look up. Let's see what. See what it looks like. Let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Real time. Do 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 do. Real time. Real time. That this is. I mean, it's a car. In, oh. Oh. He had a lot of money from all the people. Oh, these are nice cars. Okay, this is 39. We'll post the picture. This is the 39. We'll post a picture of the car. That is... God, that's beautiful. Yeah. I love old cars. <laughs> so, here is where he shot her in the back of the head, and after removing her jewelry and her fur coat... If I would die, I want to, I would want to die in this car. Yeah, he he he, he shot her in the workshop. Damn it! Uh, and so, he put her body in a 45-gallon corrosive resistive drum... Uh, and filled it up with sulfuric acid. Again. They shouldn't make like these drums accessible, it, like easily accessible, or these chemicals. I mean, obviously, it was the early nineteen hundred mid mid nineteen hundreds. So, like, who's gonna know to like keep them? all And this locked was all because up, he became infatuated with someone who had already done this, another famous murderer. And he never even. I don't know. Yeah, this part made me kind of sick to my stomach a little okay. bit. alright, let's go. It's not, like, gruesome, it's just... So, he returned to the Onslow Court Hotel and ate a three-course meal. Oh! After murdering Olive and putting her body in a sulfuric acid drum. The next day, hmm. which was Saturday, guests at the hotel, who were getting anxious about the absence of Olive from breakfast, asked John if he knew about her whereabouts. He told them he had arranged to meet with her, but she had failed to turn up for their appointment. Hmm. By Sunday, it was obvious that something was wrong with uh, everyone who knew Olive. John approached Miss Lane, who was one of Olive's good friends, okay. and asked if anything had been heard about the missing woman. Miss Lane told him that she had no news and that she intended to go to the police that afternoon. John offered to accompany her <laughs> and drove her to the Chelsea police station. What a sick fuck. The policewoman, Sergeant Lambourne, was suspicious of John from the start. Good. Detectives soon discovered John's record of theft and fraud and searched the workshop. Good. They found his records by calling Scotland Yard's uh, record office, and his criminal record came to light. John had driven to Crawley that morning and emptied the sludge from the tank into the ground outside of the workshop. He had then gone to Horsham. uh, I believe I'm saying that right. So they just missed, like, they just missed, like, when they went to look, they, like, just missed her. Yeah. In the drum before he disposed of her. Yes. Uh, Wow. And so, yeah, so he had gone to Horsham and had Olive's jewelry valued. Uh, When he returned to the hotel, the police were waiting for him. He gave them a statement reiterating his story about the missed appointment. Police found John's attached case containing a dry cleaner's receipt for Olive's coat (laughs) and also paper referring to the Hendersons and the McSwans. (laughs) The workshop in Sussex rented by John did not contain a floor drain unlike the workshop he had rented in Gloucester, uh, at Gloucester Road in London, and he would therefore dispose of the remains by pouring out the container on a garbage pile at the back of the property. Which is also so hazardous, and that probably is still lingering in, like, the soil and shit yep. today. Yeah, all of their bodies. That's disgusting, because, like, acid is so corrosive. Mm-hmm. Going through that those metal pipes in the drain system, that's not going to just stay in there. That's no. going to corrode through the pipes. Yep. And destroy it. Yeah, and seep into the soil, making the pH of the soil very acidic. hmm. And he wasn't very smart. Corpse-y. He wasn't very smart. Wow. Investigation of the area by pathologist Keith Simpson revealed 28 pounds, which is 13 kilograms of human body fat, <laughs> a part of a human foot, human gallstones, oh. and part of a denture, which was later identified as olives. Oh. dental uh dentist Wait, why did he keep the gallstones i think they were just in the pile of everything it didn't it didn't corrode and so <laughs> imagine if you got put into acid and all that was left of you was your gallstones <laughs> <laughs> i i can't happen anymore but <laughs> oh that's funny. yeah no uh so the dentures were identified as olives uh the dentist uh i testified during the trial that that it was hers really like only thing you could do to to identify Uh a body that was mutilated or like teeth like skeletal teeth yeah they didn't have the technology to do the hair anything like that now we have like genetic genealogy and it's really cool because they're solving so many cold cases because of it like it's great yeah and i think it's so cool that like I don't know. I know that um, Ancestry is working close with, like, the FBI and stuff. And, yeah. Which also sponsor us. <laughs> I don't think the FBI was No, Ancestry. Oh. The FBI. Okay, yeah, sponsor us, FBI. <laughs> yes. Um, so, <laughs> John asked Detective Inspector Albert Webb during questioning, quote, tell me, frankly, what are the chances of anybody being released from Broadmoor? What's well, Broadmoor? Uh, the prison? It was a high security psychiatric hospital. Okay. The Wait, th- I feel like I've heard that in like a show. Yeah, possibly because like, I heard it too. I feel like I've heard that in American Horror Story. They could have made an episode about him. I feel like I've, I've just heard like Broadmoor. Me too, from something. I don't know, I don't know. The inspector said that he could not discuss that sort of thing. So John replied, quote, "Well, if I told you the truth, you would not believe me. It sounds too fantastic to believe." Oh, 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 excuse me. John then confessed that he had killed Olive, then the McSwans, no. and then the Hendersons, it as well as three other gruesome. people. Oh, apparently, which they oh. never confirmed. This okay was a young man named Max, a girl from Eastbourne, and a woman from Hammersmith. And these claims could not be confirmed or sustained. Okay. So supposedly, he's claiming that he killed... Six people? No. One, two, three, four, five... Yes, six people. Six people. That they know of, and then he's claiming he killed... So nine people altogether, he's claiming. And they could only confirm six. And he probably did kill those other three people. Oh, I believe he probably it. just ended up dissolving them completely. Mm-hmm. John's trial was held at Louis Aziz's. Louis uh, Aziz's. <laughs> John pleaded insanity, claiming that he had drank the blood of his victims. No. He said he had dreams dominated by blood as a young boy. Mm. And when he was involved in a car accident in March of 1944, his dream returned to him, quote, This sounded really weird to me. I saw before me a forest of crucifixes, which gradually turned into trees. At first, there appeared to be dew or rain dripping from the branches, but as I approached, I realized it was blood. The whole forest began to writhe, and the trees, dark and erect, began to ooze blood. A man went from each tree, catching the blood. When the cup was full, he approached me and said, Drink. But I was unable to move.
1: End um, quote.
0: That's his dream. Head trauma. Yeah. Do you think after that accident, he like? Yeah. I went a little cuckoo? but his, see, it never said anything besides this about him being in an accident, right? So I don't, I think he's just lying about this. Yeah, yeah. Because, like, the only accident we mentioned was his
1: co-worker or
0: co-owner. And so, uh, Attorney General Sir Hartley Shawcross KC later became Lord Lord Shawcross. (laughs) Oh my god, Lord Shawcross? Yes! led the prosecution and urged the jury to reject John's defense of insanity because he had acted with because he had acted with malice aforethought which he means premeditation was not insane he acted with premeditation meaning absolutely he was all premeditated so sir david maxwell fife Casey, defending uh, called many witnesses to attest to John's mental state including henry yellowlees uh, who claimed that John had paranoid constitution, adding, quote, the absolute callous, cheerful, bland, almost friendly indifference of the accused to the crimes of which he freely admits to having commit is unique in my experience, hmm. end quote. And I don't understand, I understand what he's trying to say, but, like, no, I don't, know. And so, hmm. he, uh, believed, like, John, believed mistakenly in brackets that if the bodies of the victims could not be found a murder conviction would not be possible (laughs) it took only minutes for the jury to find him guilty mr mr justice humphreys sentenced Uh him to death yes on august 10th 1949 john was hanged by executioner albert Pierpoint. he deserved it this case was considered a very popular case that gained considerable coverage in the news even though john's guilt was not questionable the editor of the Daily Mirror, Silverston Bolam, was sentenced to three to 21 days in prison uh, for contempt of court for describing John as a, quote, murderer while the trial was still underway. Interesting. That's a little weird. But... I know. So, yeah. Huh. It's, it's kind of a short case, but that was John Haig. He he was hanged. I think that... I don't know. I, I'm... I, I never, like, until you mentioned a car accident, I never considered head trauma. No, but I don't know if he was ever in a car accident, he could have explained exactly. that for insanity I, I kind of think he might have just been... Uh, deranged? Yeah, like, his whole life. Because he always had a bit of... Well, a little bit of a weird side. Yeah, yes. yeah, and his father obviously wasn't the best. No that time it period. He never said anything about his mom, if she was bad or anything like that. Yeah. That time period obviously wasn't the best. No. So, I feel like and his fascination with murderers, mm, that too from an early age, which is just but he had a chance to be so successful. He was talented and so He should have just aspects. stopped everything and became a fucking musician. He should have. He went to school and won awards God. and like a scholarship. He was music. doing great. He was. <clears throat> so this was Olive. Okay. She was 60 something when she passed away. Oh, she's pretty. With this, her pearls. Yeah. This was Rose and Archibald Henderson, mm-hmm. the couple that he murdered, and this was the warehouse on um I think it's Gloucester Road. That, no, it was the one where the he, other they one they, with they the, discovered with the drain. The one that without the drain. Oh, okay. So yeah, this is all of them investigating it and they had like a Thing to remove all of the furniture but yeah that was huh i'll post all of these and then yeah that's this is him he has piercing eyes he does he has a dead stare it looks like he's staring into my soul mm-hmm. yeah no he is um crazy so yeah i kind of would have liked to meet him why i don't know i just feel like i feel like he was dumb. Little bit he believed that if you couldn't find a body you couldn't get prosecuted for murder and like that's not how that works yeah and if I would have evidence, just, I think I would have liked to be a fly on the wall to think like witness it I want to know his thought process yeah because is he actually insane I don't know I don't know either right like and i want I want to know what he was thinking throughout all of this yeah I really don't know all I know is he tried to play in insanity and I don't think he was I don't think he was either. I definitely think he was in his right mind, because it's hard to be insane and then forge a bunch of checks and... See, that's the problem. ...become a con artist. A musician? (coughs) An engineer? A... Yeah, you... I feel feel like... Advertiser? It's like, obviously, I don't know. Right? I don't know. But I feel like you have to be a little bit controlled to be able to hold these... High end, yes. Jobs and stuff. You have to be good at what you do, and you have to be smart. Yeah, and like he he owned a a company. Like what was it, a car wash? It was a laundromat. Laundromat, yeah. Yes. So like, I don't know. I feel like I I, I feel like it, it's hard to be insane and run a laundromat. It is. I feel like it is. I mean, maybe. Uh, right. I don't know. Ma- really? Uh, yeah. No, I don't know. <laughs> Anyways. Anyways, yeah, so we hope you liked this. Case yeah. going back to the old timeies. Next week, um, I'm gonna be doing something fun. I'm not sure, actually, if I am <laughs> going to be doing an episode on um what did I say? I don't remember. I, I can't remember the word for it. We did Richard Speck already, didn't no, we? No, yeah, no 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 no. It's I know my next episode is going to be the chicken coop human murders. experiments. Oh, yeah. So I think I think next week I'm going to be doing an episode on human experiments. Okay. But maybe not. Maybe maybe we'll switch it up if I see something else that I like. Yeah. And uh, do a case. But right now, human experiments is the direction we're going. <laughs> so. And mine's the ch- uh, chicken coop. Chicken coop murders. Uh, yeah. Chicken coop murders. Oh. Okay, okay. That's the case that I'm researching. I've never, right heard, now. I've never heard of that. I'll finish that. That'll be in about two weeks, so stay tuned for that. Yeah, uh, listen to our other episodes. Yeah, give go us listen feedback. Listen to our last episode. Our last episode was um, Richard Speck. He was something. He was fucking crazy. It was insane. It was hard to research. Yeah, I've never heard a case like that one. That one was unique. He's. Mmm. <laughs> yeah just go listen to it, it brutal. It's it I brutal i believe it's episode 15 i think so i think so i think so i don't know we're getting there we're we're, we're, we're getting the episodes out yeah we've been doing this for almost half a year now onyx yeah we're, we're getting to the end and now the cats want in the room yep they know yeah they're smart <laughs> So okay. Yes. Anyways, enjoy your night, morning, evening, week Whatever whatever time you're listening, whatever you're doing If you're walking, if you're cleaning, if you're Taking a shower, be clean Hygiene's falling important Falling asleep Go to bed Yeah um, Don't stay up too late Working, maybe you're working Yeah But do your work, do your job Yes <laughs> <laughs> And don't talk to strangers yeah, Be safe And uh, we love you and yeah. bye. Good night. Adios. Good morning. Bye. <laughs>